It's Thursday at 10 a.m. and you're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or the Griggs B. Let's get into the action. Good morning and welcome into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me as always, Griggs Blankenberg. You are listening to the Eagles Nest and you are in the Harold Melton Student Center in the Bradley Basin Studio on the campus of Auburn University where it is deceptively warm today, Griggs. A little bit, yeah. Just, I mean, I've been out and about so far. I've not been out in a little while, but outside of the Haley Center, the Student Center, but on the walk over here, I was wearing a jacket, and about halfway here, I was like, I don't really need this, but I kept it on, and I kind of regret it now, because now I'm a little sweaty, but it's all right. It's okay. We'll be here for two hours for the people. For the people. For the people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, should we just go ahead and just get the first one out of the way we have on our show list? Yeah, yeah. That might be the quickest we've ever actually gotten into the action. Yeah, but let's get right into the action. So, Auburn football... Let's recap what they did last week. We have it down as a precap, so we'll do a little bit of both. Uh, the Tigers lost uh, 42 to 10 to now number two ranked the Georgia Bulldogs in Athens, Georgia. Um, leading passer in that game was Stetson Bennett, 208 yards. Leading rusher was um, uh, Branson Robinson with 98 yards, and the leading receiver only had 57 yards was was Lad McConkey. So they didn't need to throw the ball. They did not need to throw the ball, from what I heard. I didn't watch any much of this game at all. I watched a few plays. Um, Logan and I were on the call for the volleyball game, which started at four, so we got to the arena about two. A little bit better result too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think we may have watched a, like half the first quarter. That was about it. I listened to Andy Bertram on the radio for like I was at Winston for the Wake Army game, but like I listened to like five minutes, and then I would just get ESPN notifications about scoring, and I'm like. There's yeah. no way Stetson Bennett had a 64-yard touchdown run, right? <laughs> I was like, what? I honestly feel like Auburn kind of, they kind of exceeded my expectations a little bit. I was kind of hoping they wouldn't let Georgia cover. Because, I mean, 20, yeah. 30 points is a lot of points to cover. Yeah, twenty. It, the final line, it was at 30 points at one point. Uh, 30, uh, the line was 30 at one point. It ended up being 27 and a half, but still, that was... I'm surprised that many people betted on Auburn to get it to. That was still disappointing that they... I mean, 30 points in any football game is a lot of points. Yeah. But still... The fact that they had they came out and still covered. I mean, Kent State scored more on Georgia than Auburn. I wish I didn't know that. Missouri scored more on Georgia than Auburn. Eh. I think South Carolina scored more on them too. I feel like we're about on par with Missouri. Uh, South Carolina scored less than them, but Kent State and Missouri both scored twenty-two. So, but hey, just like Penn State, that Jerquez Hunter touchdown though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> just take a little moral victory away. You got you got to find something. True, true. But I really just have nothing else in this game. Just the fact that it's sad right now. It's nothing's really going on. The mood around here is the morale around the football team is at an all time low. I'd say since it, I would definitely since we've been on campus. But I'd have to think in the, uh, the past little while as well. Yeah, this is probably about the worst it's been since probably 2012, since I know there was still a lot of enthusiasm in 2015. And I think if Auburn loses this game against Ole Miss, I think it will be the only the uh, the first time since the end of the Pat Dye era where Auburn would have eight wins or eight wins or less in three consecutive seasons. Yeah, um, I think you're right about that. <laughs> so we're gonna have less than eight wins. <laughs> oh, for sure. There's no way we win eight. Um, but yeah, let's just go ahead and just 
rip the bandaid off and go straight into Ole Miss. Um, this is this weekend. This will be at 11 a.m. Central. Auburn will be taking on the Ole Miss Rebels, number nine in the country, down in Oxford, Mississippi. Guess Di- what time I have to leave my house? I think you said around 4 a.m.? 4.45. Ooh. Waking ooh. up at 4. Hey, a little bit better than what I said. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, But, yeah, Daniel will be there covering it for Weagle, so check him out. His Twitter is at the top of the show if you want to follow along for updates. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, Auburn is a right now 14.5-point underdog. Over under set at fifty five and a half. I I just don't There's know. There's no way this hits the over. No, oh no way, no chance. Oh, that's that's free money on the under right there. Do with that info what you will. <laughs> um, Robbie Ashford right now he is a hundred and uh he's fifty nine for a hundred and twenty three. Do you know what percentage that is passing wise? All right, so let's do some quick mental math. 60 is half of 120. So I'm going to guess it's somewhere right around the 50 mark. Pretty pretty close. Yeah, 48%. 48% on the year for passing, which granted is like what they talked about in preseason. He's just inconsistent in the throwing game. So he'll have some dots, though. He'll have some dots. Like it's spot on what they were saying in the preseason where like he has some flashes where he'll be really good, but at the same time, he'll just. Just be not consistent. and I wish Auburn had hung on to Gus Malzahn just simply for the fact that if Gus Malzahn had Robbie Ashford in his offense, oh, things man. would get wild. Oh, yeah. Um, their Ole Miss seems to be more of a uh, running team, it looks like, from what I'm seeing. Uh, their mm-hmm. running back, uh, Quishon Judkins, right now has 581 yards on the year with for eight touchdowns. And eight, uh, yeah, for eight touchdowns. So, a lot better than Tank Bigsby, who is seventy-nine carries for three hundred and forty-five yards and four touchdowns. I don't know how his split came down against Georgia. Let me look at that real quick. He only hit, oh my gosh, it was pretty bad. Nineteen yards. Yeah, for a preseason All SEC first team player. Yeah, he really hasn't. That's unacceptable. Granted, that O line that he has to run behind is not great at all i mean but let's, yeah. let's be real for a second that o-line besides um the center position is really just the same as last year's yeah um it's just getting exposed more this year yeah and it's the same coach and same people so once again do with that info what you will but i don't know there, there's got to be a change and i think if i think if auburn loses and it's not even like okay they looked competent or let me make the phrase that simpler Auburn has to look like a competent football team on Saturday. And if they can't accomplish that, things are going to look different come Monday, I think. I mean, if not now, then when is what I'm thinking in my head. Cause if not now, it'll probably be the end of the year. But then again, let's just talk about the hypothetical. What that could imply, like what impact that could have on the team. You're going to miss out dramatically in the early signing period. Yeah. If you don't, if they don't know what pro, what direction this program's going in, you still have the same coach when they're signing their letter of intent. That is, that is could be a bad thing for the program for one, two, three years down the line potentially. Um, yeah, especially now with recruits, you have to hit in the transfer portal now. So, Harson, if something happens with that, you have to be able to just be able to control the transfer market and get people in, which Auburn didn't. Besides maybe Ekuliota, 
who we got from Nor- uh, what was Northwestern. Yeah. Oh yeah. Besides him, like, I mean, sometimes Robbie Ashford. Have we did we hit on any transfers this year? Um, I think potentially Coy Moore. Potentially Coy Moore, but I think he's probably one of the most talented receivers in the room. But Eku was definitely our most talented transfer. That's oh yeah. So far this year, and then he gets out for the year. So, all just a bunch of bad breaks for Auburn combined with just not. I don't know. I don't even know what to say about this team. It's just hard. It's a hard product to watch on the field. Yeah, I'm not really. It's bad. And, you know, we're, let's see, we've played six games, so we're halfway there. We're halfway there. So we we are three and three. Yeah, that's, it's a little rough right now on the plains of it's, Auburn University. And it's not getting too much easier. No, no. Now we're into the meat of the schedule. And all the easy games are behind us until I'm not even convinced Western Kentucky's an easy game. Have you seen that offense? I'm legit scared. Yeah, I'm not even sure I'm going to be there for that game just because I'm like, so I don't just done with this team right now. I mean, that'll they're, be they're, a week of decision for they're, me. They're very, they're Mississippi State esque because they seem to be in like in more of an air rate offense. Their quarterback already has 2,040 yards th- passing, 19 touchdowns, four interceptions, and their leading receiver has 595 yards and five touchdowns. They're averaging 500 yards of offense per game. That's that's pretty good. And then they took uh, one of your childhood teams, the Indiana Hoosiers, to overtime. So yeah. they've been able to play against Power 5 teams. So Yeah, they have. Not looking too good. But no. let's just move on from all. Let's talk a little bit about last week in college football, some big games that happened um, besides Auburn-Georgia. Uh, we had um, definitely the biggest one is uh, A&M-Bama. That one came down to the wire. Yeah, I really thought that uh, Texas A&M was going to be able to pull it out. Just who runs a goal line fade like that back to the pylon with one guy around him and nowhere to go to the left? Mike Bobo. Yes, that was we had heard that we were talking about that with some of our friends. It was Mike. It was Penn State esque, but yeah, that was unacceptable for that to happen. Um, what else do we got? That I mean, Tennessee destroying Bro, Nebraska. At, Rutgers was great. <laughs> I thought I thought Rutgers was going to get that one. I did too. They just, Nebraska came back, uh, but Tennessee, LSU, Tennessee beat the doors off of LSU down in the um, Death Valley, but it was a day game, so that's what LSU fans will throw out there as an excuse, right? Because I mean, apparently, football only matters if it's played after seven p.m. And Vanderbilt was winning against Ole Miss for a little while, going into halftime. Yeah, twenty-eight is probably a high on the year for Vandy. Uh, L- UCLA beating Utah is pretty big. For the Pac-12. Oh, yeah. And that really – Utah's not looking quite as scary as I thought they'd be. And Chip Kelly, I mean, people are talking about this is a make-or-break year for him. He's already got the Bruins bowl eligible. Yeah. So that's big for them. South Carolina beating Kentucky with Will Levis being out. Spencer Rattler does not look like a dude, as we've said on this show. Yeah, he doesn't. But still, they beat Kentucky, so I don't know. The SEC East is just weird. I mean, you got Tennessee – potentially being back, Georgia struggling sometimes, um, and then I don't know what to think about, like, Florida and um, like stuff like that. Yeah, I'm a lot more confident in Notre Dame now than I was at the beginning of the year. Yeah, Notre Dame taking down BYU and Las Vegas, and what I said on Twitter was the randomest matchup to ever be played in Las Vegas. It's a Shamrock series. But, yeah, I'm thinking, like, using the past, like, the Shamrock series has been, like, Fenway, Yankee Stadium, Ireland, and then it was 
Las Vegas. I'm like, eh, it's know. like a, it's like a, it's like a stadium series, like we've said on the show. It's yeah. an interesting thing. Like sometimes the NHL will do. Um, couple more before we go to break, and let's just end on this one. TCU 38, Kansas 31, so close. What about Texas and Oklahoma? Oh yeah, that's not even on the top 25 uh, thing. So I forgot about that one. Yeah, but. Texas beats the doors off of Oklahoma, 49 to nothing. Quinn Ewart's 289 yards, four touchdowns. Bijan Robinson, two, 130 yards and two touchdowns. OU is looking oh no right now. Bro, Davis Bevel or whatever his name is, 6 for 12 for 38 yards and one interception against your biggest rival. Sometimes whenever you think you got it bad, some, somebody's always got it worse. Wait, what happened to – um? Dylan Gabriel. I don't know. Did he, no, but, oh, I'm looking at this thing right now. Oklahoma had five different people attempt a pass. They had 17 passes in total. That tells you why they lost the game. Yeah. forty. They were in the ball 42 times for 156 yards. Um, the leading quarterback, you said, Davis Beeble, he ran the ball five times and lost 21 yards. Jeez. So, yeah. I mean, honestly, those are probably sacks. Probably, but, I mean, but Texas back? Question mark. They're going to be like one of those teams that are like at the end of the year be like, we would have made it in if it was a 12-team playoff. That's just something I heard the other day. Yeah, I feel like a lot of teams are going to say that this year. But but it's yeah. getting there. It's it's moving that way. It's getting there. But, yeah, that's going to do it for our Auburn pre-cap and our college football recap from last week. When we come back, we're talking week seven of college football. It's a pretty interesting week this week in the world of college football. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke, alongside me as always, Griggs Blankenberg. Before the break, we talked about Auburn's um, last game against Georgia and upcoming game against Ole Miss, as well as recapping some of the biggest matchups from Week 6. But now we're on to Week 7. We are indeed. It's an it's a pretty interesting week. We got a decent amount of ranked v ranked matchups, but yeah, it's going to be another interesting week of college football. So. First big game of the day is 11 a.m. on Fox. It will be the number 10 Penn State Nittany Lions going to Ann Arbor to the big house to take on number 5 Michigan. That game will uh, right now is a uh, Michigan is a 7-point favorite at home over under at 51. This is a big game for the Big Ten West. It is because, um, you know, two teams who are undefeated, both uh, or one's 3-0, one's 2-0 in conference play, two top 10 teams. The winner of this game is likely going to be competing with Ohio State to um, go to Indianapolis. Yeah, 100%. This is definitely the game that will determine whether the um, the second biggest rivalry in college football is meaning as meaningful as ever, like it was kind of like last year. Yeah. But then, yeah, the Penn State, I'm, they play Ohio State at home, so if they win this one, that one would be wild. Because Ohio State right now is looking like the most consistent team in college football. Week after yeah. week, just not not keeping it close to teams that shouldn't be keeping it close to them. I wonder if they're regretting making Minnesota the wideout now. I think they'll regret it if they win this game. If not, then I think they still. I mean, I mean, Penn State probably didn't expect to go five and zero off the jump. Probably not. I mean, they almost lost to Purdue. So yeah. Um, let's keep it going. Kansas and Oklahoma. Disrespect to the Jayhawks right now. Oklahoma is a nine-point favorite. Over/under set at sixty-two and a half. I get maybe why it's at nine and a half. Um, Kansas's quarterback, um, 
Jalen Daniels m- unlikely to play versus Oklahoma with a shoulder sprain in his throwing shoulder. But this is OU needs to win this one, and they need this one bad. They do, and I just I really hope Kansas pulls it out because I really that'd just be hilarious to see Kansas improve to six and one, be bowl eligible. Yeah, Kansas would be bowl eligible before Oklahoma, and they'd be um. They came into the year, I think oh, their over-under win total was two and a half, so. You can get into this one for 24 bucks up in Norman if you're so inclined. Any people wanting to go to Norman right now to see that product? Kansas fans. Let's talk about that for a second. Brett Venables, I mean, he had the life at Clemson. He was one of the most, the highest paid uh, coordinators in all college sports. He had one of the most consistent defenses in the nation, too, as well. I mean, you're winning the ACC most years, and like, Dabo was taking all the blame when everything went wrong. So I get why he went to Oklahoma. It's his alma mater, but I don't know. The thing is with the coaches going back to their alma mater to coach is like if things go poorly, they're not going to be received on campus the same ever again, even if they're like a legend. Kind of like um, Scott Frost's of the world. Um, Who else went back to their alma mater to coach that didn't go well? Um, I I know of one that went back to their alma mater and it's going great. Kirby Smart. Fair enough, yes. But – for the most part, it just hasn't really worked out in that respect. Yeah, I mean, I guess just kind of it's a mental thing where you think like, okay, I'm back at my alma mater. This is where I've always known. This is where I've always been. I've always just been a hero here, so it'll be pretty easy. And then it's just not. I mean, it's always your like dream job, but like at the same time, if things go poorly, you have to know the fall off. And this is like, no matter what, what stats you were on campus or like before that, it's not going to be the same ever again. Right. Like, you're always going to be looked at for what you did as a coach, really, more as a player, which is not great, but at the same time, it's like you took that risk. Right, and then, like, on the same token, if things go well, you're a amazing player and now an even better coach. Mm-hmm. Um, other big matchups. Um, I mean, Illinois reigned for the first time since 2011, so that's pretty huge for them. Yeah. Uh, Shout-out to... My family in Illinois. I think my uh, grandparents are going to be at that game because they have season tickets to the Illini. So oh, nice. That'll be cool. Um, is it Alabama-Tennessee time? I think it is. 2.30 p.m. on CBS will be the number three-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide taking on the number six-ranked Tennessee Volunteers. I think that is the most expensive regular season college football ticket I've ever seen. Right now it's at 3.34. What ticket site does ESPN use? Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats, okay. On Vivid Seats, three hundred thirty-four bucks. Line right now is set at Alabama minus seven, so a seven-point favorite. That's a little steep, I think. Over under six and sixty-five and a half. I mean, but at the same time, it's like they've won every year since two thousand six. Yeah, and I really feel like that that line represents that they're expecting Bryce Young to play. I think so too. I mean, it was he was a game time decision. Usually, when a quarterback is a game time decision before one game doesn't play that game, that usually means they're going to play the next week. Because then yeah. it means it was not a game-time decision, and you're just covering it up from the media pretty well. Yeah. But then again, I just don't know. I think Bama – oh, it's our pick thing. I'm leaning more towards Bama because Tennessee's defense has been suspect at times, but their offense really has been clicking a lot. Yeah, all of um, Hopefully, I'm really hoping that the Auburn Ole Miss game is just the fastest game ever, so I can watch this one in the car on the way back with Ethan. My roommate's covering the game for uh, Eagle Eye TV, so we're riding over there together, 
and I'm really hoping that we get out of there in less than three hours. I don't know about that. Three-hour college football game, two hours for everything I have to do post-game, get in the car at 4 o'clock and go home. See, me. So you're looking at maybe you can watch it on the second half. I'm hoping. That's, that's more realistic. I really don't want to miss this game. I mean, if, the, if people can tune in to us on Weagle 91.1 FM for the baseball scrimmage, if football's not going the way you want, me and Noah sure. Phillips will be yeah. on the call. It'll be great. Hey, yeah, get, get at that. First time they've been at, um, uh, what is the state, uh, Sanford Field? Is that what it is? Uh, the baseball stadium? Yeah. Uh, Plainsman Park. Plainsman Park. They, Hitchcock Field at something – it's so weird. I don't like when teams do that. No, it's Hitchcock. No, it's Sanford Field at Hitchcock Stadium at – no, excuse me. All right. Uh, one more time. Sanford something. Okay, I got it. I got it. I'm looking no. at the facilities now on Auburn things. So if it has three wrong. names, though. It, I, know it I don't like when teams do that. I get that they want to name, like, everything. Like, the jokes um, – Jordan Hare has been named, like, everything. They have two names in the stadium name. Yeah, the Pat field. Guy field, Jordan Hare Okay, stadium. so it's Plains um, – it is Plains uh, Sanford Stadium hit dash Hitchcock Field at Plainsman Park. Okay, so I, I was I was along the right line. Yes, so Plainsman Park. Yeah, we'll be there. First time they've been back in Plainsman Park since they've been first time they played in Plainsman Park since the College World Series. So yeah, check that out if you want. Um, Oklahoma State TCU. This is another one of our pick'em games. Two thirty on ABC in Fort Worth. Line right now is set at TCU minus four over under sixty eight and a half. TCU's been a, one of the surprise teams of college football this year, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. After firing their coach, or their coach really stepping down after building that program up from where it was to, like, going to the, being the group of six, um, group of five uh, New Year's Six Bowl representative for a few years, to just now they're actually 13 in the country, just beat Kansas, taking on Oklahoma State, who's also undefeated. So this could potentially be, Big 12 championship deciding matchup since this is a down year for Oklahoma and Texas already has two losses, one in conference. Yeah, it, it's big. And I'm a big Oklahoma State guy. I love Mike Gundy. I love mm-hmm. Spencer Sanders. So I'm really hoping um, Oklahoma State can pull this out. But I'll save my official pick for later. But, uh, yeah, go Pokes. Um, 2.30 in the uh, JMA Wireless Dome, formerly the Carrier Dome. We've already talked about that on the show. A while back, but is the number fifteen NC State Wolfpack taking on the number eighteen Syracuse Orange? Uh, Syracuse is a favorite at three and a half, uh, three and a half point favorite right now. Forty two and a half is the over under. This this is uh, speaking of surprising teams this year. Syracuse they were last year they could have fired their coach and they really decided not to and turns out to be working well for them. Sean Tucker is still amazing after deciding not to transfer. 546 yards and five touchdowns so far this season. Yeah, and um, I wonder how many college football and basketball teams play their games in the same venue. I can't think. Um, does the North Coast State basketball team play there? I doubt it. I don't think so. Um, but, yeah, big story for this one. It doesn't look like uh, quarterback Devin Leary for NC State will be playing. He's rehabbing a... Uh, shoulder injury he suffered last week against uh, NC State. Uh, their coach saying it could be this week when he comes back or, or it could be six weeks. So do with that as you will. It's a wide disparity. Mm-hmm, indeed. Um, but the orange looks surprising. I'm going to go with the orange in this one because I 
still has said on the show multiple times, NC State is one of the most overrated teams in football going into this year. They have not proven that yet, and they lost the one good match that they played so far. I think I took them in the pick'em for the jungle. I might change sex. Now I'm leaning the other uh, way. You can't change in the jungle pick'ems. Well, never mind. But, yeah, Syracuse is maybe legit this year. Um, a couple more before we go to go to break. This is an interesting one. Number four, Clemson going to Tallahassee, take on Florida State. Minus, uh, Clemson is a minus, um, or Clemson is a three and a half point favorite, over under 51. Uh, Clemson's already played Wake and NC State. They had Wake in a close game in Winston, double overtime. They beat NC State at home pretty, uh, not soundly, but they beat them pretty well. Now they go to Florida State. This seems like the last chance where maybe if they go to Syracuse that Clemson could potentially slip up this season. Yeah, I could see that happening. Um, they also they do play the um, Syracuse at um, at home, which is good for them, I guess. But then they're on the road in Notre Dame. So last time they went there in 2020, Notre Dame did knock them off, beat them, but then they got their revenge in Charlotte later on that year. They did. They did indeed. But that was still weird how everything was going on that that game with um, Trevor Lawrence could be there but couldn't play. I was just random. But I don't know. Maybe Notre Dame will uh, show something this week when they play. Um, who does Notre Dame play this week? I forgot. Uh, they play Stanford this week, and then oh. they play UNLV. Who's also UNLV's been a surprise this year as well. Then they go at Syracuse and then Clemson. So this one's on Peacock. I'll probably check that out. We'll talk. Of, well, well, that game might be interesting. Notre Dame might be ranked by then, but they gotta win their next couple games. Yeah. Uh, let's get to one more before we go to – oh, there's two more good games. Uh, Quickly, Mississippi State, Kentucky. Uh, I'm going Mississippi State. Uh, take Kentucky. Mississippi State's been a surprise this year as well. Uh, it's at Kentucky. I think Will Leps will be yeah. playing in this one, but I don't know. And then finally, USC at Utah. I'm going with USC. Utah slipped up a lot recently, even though Utah has a really good home field advantage. Um, Caleb Williams has been on fire this year. If he didn't play at USC, I think he'd be a real contender for the Heisman right now. Yeah, I think so, too. You on USC? Yeah. All right. But that is going to do it for our college football talk. When we come back, it's time, finally, well, we talked about it a little bit last week, but let's talk about that hockey. We're talking about the NHL and this, our season preview when you come back. This is the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagle's Nest, everybody. I'm Grace Blankenberg, and Daniel Locke is by my side. As always, you're hanging out with us in the Bradley Basin Studios in the Melton Student Center. So far, our first two segments, we talked about a precap of Auburn's last game against Georgia, upcoming game against Ole Miss, what happened in Week 6 of college ball, and then the last segment, we talked about Week 7. That'll all be available on the podcast after the show if you missed any of that. But now, it is time for a show that me and Daniel are very passionate about Daniel a little bit more than me, or probably more than me, but still we want to get we want to get more light in Auburn, Alabama. We it deserves more love, and that exactly we are talking about the National Hockey League, the NHL. So technically, the last two nights have been really the NHL's opening nights per se. They did have some regular season games last week in Prague, but now we're getting into the bulk of it. Daniel's Bruins had a pretty good win last night against the Capitals, winning five to two. If you want to talk about that, all Daniel. Sure. So they did. They got up to a 2-0 um, lead in the first period. Then Washington outscored them 2-1 in the second period. So heading into the third period, Bruins were only up one. 
but a goal from Hampus Lindholm and a goal from David Krejci in the third period put the Bruins over the top. And I should add the Hampus Lindholm one was an empty netter, but I'm just a lot more excited for this Bruins team. I'm always excited for this Bruins team, but I think they made one final push this year since this is likely Patrice Bergeron's last year, and this is definitely David Krejci's last year. So I'm interested to see what kind of push they can make. Yeah. I mean, it's always great to start off a year with a win. That gives you a lot of confidence going into the season. Um, Blackhawks, I don't know why they put them. I get that they're one of the biggest brands in hockey, the Blackhawks are, original six team, but giving them the avalanche on banner night was just cruel for people like me to watch. And also with Eddie Olchek on the call, Blackhawks person, just, it was, I mean, uh, avalanche are just so good and just, yeah, surprised um, we scored. We we were tied up at one point one to one with Jonathan Taze, but I wouldn't be surprised if they ran it back. Oh no, no question. I would not be surprised either. They're legit. And they 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 didn't lose too many key pieces. I mean, they really no. just lost Kadri. But we'll talk about that more in the next. Just my, I mean, I tweeted this out the other night. I'm like, when they said re- this is going to be a rebuilding year, they meant it. But they scored two on the defending champs, so. Pow- yeah, I mean, but um, we did allow the Avalanche to have uh, four power play goals, so not great. Yeah, maybe cut some of those power plays out. This is probably a three-two game. Yeah, I just it was just a really young young team with. I mean, it's such a random combination because you have all these young guys. It's a majority of young team. We got rid of uh, the Brinket, um, and all the other people like Middleman besides Kane and Taze, um, and it's just all young people. So it's a lot of. Mis- a little bit careless mistakes, but anyhow, let's get into it. Let's talk really quick. Let's talk now about the Eastern Conference this season going into this year. It's an interesting year for the Eastern Conference. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning are still not as it was in the title. They're still a contending team, I'd say. Oh, yeah. Uh, they'll, they'll make a deep run. Mm-hmm, they always do. Um, other surprising teams, really. Um, let's see. Uh, the Rangers are... What? Montreal. Mo- I mean, I know it's one game. I but know. As bad as they were last year. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm looking at the odds right now for um, the um, – trying to look at the odds for the Western Conference just to pull that up. But keep it going. Um, the Hurricanes, they scare me, man. This is a team – this may be their best shot. I hope they fail. Uh, me as well. Uh, they're just they really returned all their studs and i don't know this scares me for a team because everyone becomes a hurricanes fan in north carolina when it comes time for the playoffs and then just disappear so yeah that's probably pretty annoying it is i mean you experienced it last year too you're like where did all these people come out of the woodwork from bro it was bad like people who i didn't even know were hockey fans after they beat the bruins were sliding up on my stuff and Getting in my inbox on Twitter, I'm like, dude, what? What is this? Calm yourself. Um, and then they got throttled by the Rangers in the next round. Yeah, that was that's a good thing to see. Um, I've got the odds from one site now. This is from um, one of the sports betting things. So, um, odds to win the Eastern Conference. Like, can you guess which one is the favorite to win the Eastern Conference in this? I'm we'll just go off this. Guess the odds to win the Eastern Conference. They probably belong to Florida. No. Toronto? No. Oh, yes, Toronto, yes. But we know that won't happen. 
No, no, no way. This may be the year they make it out of the first round. I hope not. Keep it alive at this point. Yeah. Um, Toronto's the favorite right now, plus 425. Tampa Bay, plus 450. Florida Panthers at plus 500. Then the Hurricanes at plus 600. Everyone else below behind them is plus 1,000. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins. This, speaking of, along with the same lines of the Bruins, this is really their last shot for their core. Yeah. The core of Crosby and all the others. Just, yeah, they this is they brought it back. They've, uh, I mean, it's always like what they've done with like like kind of the same models like Tom Brady with the uh, Patriots, per se. It's just they've always had like the the star take a little bit less money to just build around that. Mm-hmm. And with age and stuff, I think Sid will retire uh, um, a Penguin, but I think this is really their like last shot with this core. I mean, we saw it last year. I mean, they took the Rangers to Game Seven. So yeah, uh, they're a decent team for sure. A team I'm really surprised out of the Eastern Conference. Really, we talked about them a little earlier. Is the New York Rangers? Yeah, they're a team that I think is a sleeper in the Eastern Conference. Like, you have one of the best goalkeepers in the National Hockey League in Igor Shosturkin. You have um, um, Panarin, who is always legit. And I just think this is a team that they made to the Eastern Finals last year. They lost to Toronto. But I think this is a team that plus 1,000 right now is a very interesting team, I think, going into playoffs. I mean, they have, I mean, the most really important position is that goalkeeper spot. They have that figured out. I mean, how much better can Shesterkin get? He just needs the people around him to just produce more on the offensive side. Yeah, uh, I think so too. I agree with that. And another team that I'm kind of curious to see kind of where they're at this year is Detroit. That's what I was just. That was exactly what I was about to say. They've been horrible for a long time. But again, they're like one of those. Like they're one of the original six teams. They're one of the biggest brands in hockey. I mean, right. their last really good year was I think around 2013 when they lost to the Blackhawks in the Western of uh, the in the Western fine. Uh, the or I don't know what was the, I don't know why. Hold on, I'm losing my mind right now about something. And then ESPN, of course, as it always, they, right around this time of the show, every single time, it's just ESPN just craps out. Um, mine's probably gonna happen in a minute. Um, but yeah, it was like it was in the playoffs. Remember when um, Brett Se- uh, Seabrook scored the um, slap shot goal in overtime for the yeah. Blackhawks win? That, that's what that once like these new teams came in, they switched around the playoffs a little bit. Kind of broke my brain a little bit, division wise. Yeah, it doesn't make. It, I'm just now starting to kind of. Be like, ah, okay. It's like someone who just, like, I've always been, like, a Blackhawks fan, but, like, really, really getting into hockey, starting, like, uh, the bubbles in Canada in 2020. Mm-hmm. That's just because it was sports to watch. Yeah, because it, it still breaks my brain. Like, that's why I was so confused there for a second. I'm like, what am I saying? Like, we're talking about the Red Wings right now, but the Blackhawks in the Western Conference. But, yeah, I mean, this is a team that they did, they overperformed expectations last year. They outperformed expectations last year, and um, they're one of the... um middle odd teams right now to win but i think they could make some moves i think they could make the playoffs that wouldn't surprise me in, in the least especially in the atlantic i mean in in the division with the re, still rebuilding canadians really the sabers the yeah i just think they could make the playoffs i don't think they're gonna go far but i think they'll be on like the cusp they'll be like right there they'll be going down to the wire type of teams mm. a team that i'm interested to see right now also is ottawa yeah, that is a very sneaky team that happened over the off season. Yeah, they kind of put the pieces together, and now they're gonna see if they can kind of 
make something happen. A guy we talk about a lot in this podcast, Claude Giroux. Yeah. Especially the trade deadline last year, coming going from Philly to Florida to now to Ottawa. Um, the Brinkett, big name that was on the Blackhawks. Uh, Brandstorm, still pretty good. Um, who, and then, yeah, I mean, they have the they have some core pieces on the offensive half, and then the defense. It's just a matter of can the other line step up, really. Yeah, and I'm interested to see if they can, because you know this is a team that just hasn't really done much. Mm-hmm. The only real like playoff memory I have of them is they beat the Bruins in the first round in 2017. Mm-hmm. So there's just not really a team that's known for their like late season success so can this be the year that kind of changes that and you have Claude Drew really on like a timer really because he is de- uh, pretty old but yeah and for someone who's played like a lot of hockey I mean he was on the good flyer teams where they were playing the Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup finals those good playoff teams just how much more does he really got in the tank really because Philly moved on for much yeah. it can't be much but then to bring it wasn't is an interesting piece of that I mean you add a one of the, the top goal scorer for the Blackhawks last year onto this team for game the Blackhawks picks. It's it's just interesting because we thought we didn't think this team coming into this year would be really doing anything, but now it's just they have the yeah. pieces to make something of it really. So probably our last um Eastern team to get a breakdown before we get a break. The New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. In twenty twenty one they I think go to second or maybe even third round. Twenty twenty one. Uh they were in the um what was it, the Eastern? Oh, it yeah. was in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's the non-Canadian team final. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, they were in the East, or Eastern Conference Finals. Then last year, they don't even make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, I'm interested to see if they can kind of balance it out and really compete with the Rangers this year. One final thing before, but, like, I don't get why they went on from Barry Trotz. I just didn't yeah, get it. I, I don't that was it. really shocking. And still, he's out of hockey right now. I think he'll get another shot somewhere, but. I was just shocking to me. Like, still, he won the. You, if you win a cup with the Capitals, you should be. You can do anything. It didn't take long for um, Bruce Cassidy to get a new job. No, it didn't. And that, yeah, going to Vegas. That that was rough. But hey, you got to win last night. You're last night moving in the right direction. But oh, one last thing. Uh, Capitals. Is this one like the last run with Ovi? It's gotta be. That guy's old. Yeah, it it can't be much longer. I mean, I mean, he's hanging he's hanging around to try to get a record, but I just don't I don't know how yeah. far he is, but I, I just, he has to have a really good year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that is going to do it for our Eastern Conference talk for the NHL. When we come back, we're still talking hockey. We'll be talking about the Western Conference and everything going on there. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle ninety one point one FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle ninety one point one FM. This is Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. So far today, we've talked about Auburn's game against Georgia, their game against Ole Miss, week six and seven in college football, and for the first time since the first show of the semester, we are doing that hockey. Mm-hmm. We are doing that hockey. And now let's do that Western Conference, Daniel. Oh, yeah. So this is a very interesting division, especially from this podcast stance, because if people did not listen to us last year, we're a very anti Oilers podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, if you're if you're in Edmonton right now, if you're looking for a good Oilers podcast to listen to, let's just we're just gonna go ahead and tell you right now. This is probably not the segment or talk for you. Really. No, keep looking. Keep looking for a different podcast. But let's just go ahead and start it off. 
Uh, Western Conference, home to the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. They are the favorites to win the Western Conference at plus 175. Only team, no team really close to them right now in the odds wise. Vegas is at plus 650, Edmonton plus 750, Calgary and Minnesota at plus 800, and then the Blues at plus 1,000. So, I mean, I'm going to just be honest here. This Avalanche team looks like it could be another back-to-back like Tampa thing. Yeah, I think the Western Conference um, champion's already been crowned. I mean, this is a good conference, too, especially in the Pacific, really. Yeah, and like in the Pacific, you have Edmonton, Vegas, Anaheim, Seattle, Calgary, L.A., Vancouver, and San Jose. So, kind of to segue into this, what are the expectations for, Van- or for um, Seattle this year? Honestly, just keep improving for last year. I mean, they already dealt their first captain in franchise history, so obviously yeah. they're just still trying to. It wasn't going to be like Vegas. We knew this coming into it. When Vegas mm-hmm. was doing their expansion draft, they drafted guys. They drafted a lot of veteran esque players. They wanted to go for it now. Yeah. But for the Seattle, when we were watching the expansion draft, they picked a lot of young guys. They picked some guys that I didn't expect from them to take, especially on the Blackhawks side. I think they took. Um, they we had a. I can't remember which defender we had available, but they ended up taking one of our AHL guys. So they definitely were going for people, for players, for youth. They were definitely mm-hmm. wanting to be like that. But then again, have you seen the mascot? I'm I'm seeing on your computer right now. That is what even is that? It looks Bo- like Bobby. It looks like an. It looks what? like a like a Smurf with like a Santa Claus beard. I know this is like you know. Maybe a bit controversial, oh, but no. why not have a, a Kraken as, as your mascot? Because you're named a Kraken. That'd be, I mean, that'd be interesting. I mean, I saw the um, Avalanche's mascot for the first time last night, and he's like a dog. I'm like, well, I didn't expect him to be like a snow thing, but still. Yeah, a snowman would have been good. But for the Kraken, I mean, really just still as a beginning franchise, not like Vegas. I mean, we're never going to really see like a Vegas type of thing again, probably. No, that, that's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. Especially with all the the veterans they drafted, but for the Kraken, I mean, just keep improving. I mean, make the playoffs potentially maybe next year, the year after, just keep building pieces, like get those firsts in franchise histories out of the way so you can get to that first playoff appearance, really. Yep, just keep stepping forward. And a team that I'm kind of looking for that I I think might be a sleeper out the West is Vancouver this year. Hmm. Like a team that's kind of been rebuilding their core. Um, Obviously, the Bruins beat them in the Cup in 2011, and they just really haven't gotten back to that level. But I still think this is a good team. Uh, JT Miller's a really good leader, and I think that they have the potential to get back to the playoffs this year. I think they could too. I mean, they lost last night to the Oilers. But then again, they're still like I still think they're a good team. I mean, uh, McDavid had a hat trick. <laughs> we didn't even mention uh, – we, we were, haven't even got to the Oilers yet. McDavid scores a hat Of course. I mean – why does like the best player in hockey have to be on like our least like? Yeah, I favorite, really like, wish you could find home and like a team we're both just dead neutral on. Pull a Gretzky. Go to somewhere we don't go to like I don't know. Do we have an opinion on like the Jets? Not really. Go to like the Jets or something. I don't. I know. mean, the Oilers fans would hate him because he's moving across Alberta. I mean, that'd no. Be if funny. he went to Calgary, I would become a huge. That'd be hilarious. Oh yeah, I'd be a huge that'd fan. Be, of that. That'd be so funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, Vancouver just really the same thing. They just got to keep improving. I mean, they got to get back to the, to the Yoffs sometime. And, I mean, this looks like a good team as ever, but they just need to really just keep going and just rebuilding that core, really, because 
they're not going to get to the level this year as the 2011 team, but you got to no. start somewhere. Right, right. Calgary was oh, – let's go to Calgary. We were talking about them a little bit a second ago, but Calgary's an interesting team right now because they did deal a lot of their studs. I mean, who was the guy that went to Columbus again from them that just shocked everyone? Uh, um, I'm looking up his name right now because I'm not going to be able to remember. forget it. I know who you're talking about, though. I, yes, I'm trying to remember. Um, was it Johnny Grudeau? Yes, it was yes. Grudeau. That was definitely a person like everyone was like really shocked at because he could have gone so many other places. Really, people thought, and then he goes to um, Columbus of all places. Yeah, um, not very, very, very shocking. Very shocking. Um, they did get Kadri though, who was really the only piece the Avalanche really lost coming into the season. And I mean, they did lose their goalie as well, but they lost Kadri. Didn't play in the Cup Finals because he got injured, but. That's got to be a little bit of help on that on those uh, center lines for them. Yeah. And then they have Jonathan Huberdeau still on – I think they gave him a decent contract as well. Um, Yeah, they, uh, the 10-year man from the Panthers went to Calgary, and I think he got a decent contract from them. So Yeah, like an eight-year, $50 million extension, I think. Mm-hmm. So they've got some guys that we've heard of, some notable names, but still – a little ways to go. I mean, I like their coach is hilarious. Um, you know who I'm talking about? Their coach. Yeah. Very just like straightforward. He reminds me of like a. He reminds me a little bit about um, what's his name? Uh, Bill Murray. He reminds me a little bit of Bill Murray, the actor. I can see it. Um, Ed, let's just go ahead and talk about Edmonton. They're still really good, man. I'm worried. Yeah, I don't think they can get past Colorado though. That's what I keep telling myself too. Last year was the closest we could have get to to a catastrophe. Yeah. But they took care. Did they sweep them last year or did they go to uh, five games? I think they went to five. Gentlemen's sweep. Okay. But still, a team with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid is just still unfair. It's not even remotely fair for teams. Do they still have Evander Kane? (laughs) Oh, yeah, they do. Oh, boy. Oh, they got Evander Kane still, too. Um, Leon, Connor McDavid's already got four points. Leon Dreisaitl's already got three. So it's great to see that they already have – they're already looking like their old selves again. So yippee for this podcast going forward. Yeah, that's that's not good. Um, let's talk about them real quick. Vegas. Um, new head coach. I know that much. I mean, for an expansion team already having a new head coach after your coach had gotten to the playoffs each of the first three years in a conference in the Stanley Cup final in year hey, one. might as well move on to another head coach who's never missed the playoffs. That still just shocks me. The amount, like, the Vegas fan base just thinks, like, they're, like, there as, like, one of the the teams in the NHL after, like, three or four seasons. Or, no, they didn't make the playoffs last year. I'm no, sorry. They, missed they got barely missed it. Because, for some reason, the Blackhawks decided to beat them. Yep. Um. But, yeah, that was just an interesting thing for a team that's, I mean, had so much success at the beginning of their franchise. And we've never really seen an American professional sports for, like, an expansion team to do that in year one. No, yeah, that's, to that's like crazy. just be demanding the success out the gate when you knew when you drafted all those players in the expansion draft that this was not going to be a, a established core for multiple seasons, past like three or four years, should have just been known, right? Yeah, should have been. But yeah, do you think Cassie's going to do a good job over there? Oh yeah, he's a great coach and he'll win wherever he goes. Um, just got to make a few good free agent signings maybe next year. And I think this team's only a few good players away. I mean, you're going to have Jack Eichel for the whole year, so that's really big for them yeah, since he wasn't huge. there all last year. 
And then they have Petrangelo still, which you got experience right there from a cup winner, former cup winner. So, yeah, that's always good. Um, the Central, we already talked about the Avalanche. Uh, Makar is the second best player in the NHL, in my opinion, behind McDavid. And then there's everyone else. I can't even think of a third player after that. Just they're that good. Yeah. Makar, like people are comparing him to like Bobby Orr. We've never really seen a defenseman like Makar since Bobby Orr, who has the ability to s- defend incredibly and then just skate and have great shooting and puck ability. Yeah, win the Offensive Player of the Year award as a defender. That's, And then he, he won the Consmite, right? Yeah. Yeah, which is incredible as well. But he really is the main piece of the Avalanche team. And him and McKinnon and then Landeskog, they're legit. And he, he didn't even play. Landeskog didn't even play last night. That team's just so good. Why can't like so I retweeted last night? It was from a Blackhawks fan. He's like, "Why do the Avs make hockey just look so easy?" I know, like it's it's nuts. Um, who else? Um, Coyotes playing in a college hockey stadium, so that's kind of funny. Oh yeah, have they played their first home game yet? They've not played a game yet. Their first they play tonight, Pittsburgh at six o'clock, and it's at Pittsburgh. Dang it! Uh, first home we got. I'm gonna watch that first home game just to see what it looks like from camera. It's, it's gotta be pathetic. Oh, they're doing. Oh, they're doing the um, they were doing the um, kind of like the old Islanders model last year, where the Islanders had like twenty road games to start. They have six road games to start, and their first home games on the twenty eighth versus Winnipeg. Okay, dang. So they've still got like two weeks. Yeah. So they did the Islanders method, like what they did last year. Um, Blackhawks. Are... I love how they put that on ESPN Plus and Hulu, so mm-hmm. everyone can see just how pathetic that looks. And still, like, the, the farthest odds of any team to win the conference championship. But oh, yeah. Blackhawks, just just make it so that Kane doesn't leave. That's all I ask. He has a no trade. He can't be moved in his contract unless he approves it. So let's not get to that point. I think this is Tay's last run, though. I think Kane's still got a few more years to go. But yeah. I think this is Jonathan Tay's last ride. I mean, the good thing about Patrick Kane is he, he just doesn't really have anything to chase. Like, he just doesn't really benefit from leaving. I think most – he still has got like most points left for Blackhawks. I mean, yeah, he's, he's already one of the greatest American players of all time. But. Yeah, he's got three rings. Um, just, I'm sure he's won the. I'm sure I know he's he's won, he's won the heart before. I remember that. Yeah, but he's, I feel like he's, he's really just done enough. He's really done everything, really. Um, Blues, they're rebuilding esque. I don't really know how to describe it, where they could still make the playoffs, and it wouldn't surprise me. But they don't have a lot of that core still left from 2019. No. Um, is Nashville going to be any good? I think they might be better than they were last year, but still not Stanley Cup good. Can they make the playoffs, though, you think? Oh, yeah. And then finally, last one uh, before we do our picks, uh, Wild. Uh, they have Marc-Andre Fleury for the whole year. He did cr- really good for the Blackhawks last year until we dealt him. What do, what can we expect from them, really? this I think this is a team that could make it to the playoffs and potentially semifinal finals of the Western Conference. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. I think they're another team that's kind of sleepy good. Um, you know, they had the Winter Classic last year. Mm-hmm. so And they looked really good in that. I know it's just one game. But still, that's just the eyes of the hockey world are on you. Mm-hmm. And they answered the call on that. So I feel like that really prepares them um, going forward. So All I right. think they'll be pretty good. All right, let's do this real quick. Our, me and Daniel's certified predictions going into this NHL season after – couple games have been played already, but who, who cares? All right, Daniel, give me your Eastern team out of the Eastern Conference. Team out of the Eastern Conference. I'm going to go Florida this year. I just think hmm. they're that team. That's a good pick. 
I'm going to go with a little bit of a sleeper in this one. I'm going with the Rangers. We talked about I'm really high on the Rangers this year. If Shesterkin can be three-fourths as good as he was last year and that offense just takes a step up and it's able to win more on the away ice, I think this is a team that can make it there, and I believe that because there's still a lot of question marks around most of these teams in the Eastern Conference. There's not like a certified prediction. I believe both of us are going to go within the Western Conference. Yeah. And so let's just go to that. Western Conference. Avs. I got the Avs, too. It's just... They're too good. They're they're too good, man. I barring major injuries to McCarr or McKinnon or maybe Landeskoff, I just can't see it. Yeah. Uh, and finally, our Stanley Cups. You have the right now. You said you have the um, you have Florida versus the Avs. I have the Avalanche versus the Rangers. So who do you have winning that? Oh man, um, I'm, I'm sh- shoot. Yeah, give me the um, give me the Avs. Yeah, I think the Avs are gonna go back. I think this is the best team since. Uh, I can't say best team since Tampa, since Tampa was like two years ago. Yeah. But this is definitely a team that I think can repeat. So I'm going to go with the Avalanche. Just Cal McCarr is just, he's him. He's a dude. He He's probably the definition of dude. Right, Daniel? Oh, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, that is going to do it for our NHL preview for this. We'll still talk about NHL throughout the whole year. But when we come back, it's time for the second hour. We're talking mainly NFL. we got some other stuff in there as well. But you're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me, as always, Griggs Blankenberg. It's been a loaded show in the first hour. We talked about Auburn's game against Georgia, Auburn's game against Ole Miss, weeks six and seven in college football. Hard to believe we're already over, halfway done. Then we talked about the NHL, both the East and the West. And now we're going to break down week five of the NFL. Here we go. Timer starts now. So on Thursday night, probably the worst game I've ever seen in my life, the Indianapolis Colts traveled over to or traveled over to Denver, Colorado to take on the struggling Broncos with the uh, Russell Wilson at the helm over there. Indianapolis gets the dub, 12-9. Moving on to the early window on Sunday, the New York football giants traveled over to Green Bay, Wisconsin, where they would upset oh, the London. Packers. London. Oh, that was in London. Duh. They beat upset the Packers 27-22. Then the Pittsburgh um, Steelers, almost called them the Pirates, that would have been embarrassing, traveled up to Buffalo, New York to take on the Buffalo Bills, who play in Buffalo, New York, and they won that one 38-3, the Bills did. Then the L.A. Chargers went to Cleveland, Ohio to take on the Deshaun Watson-less Browns, and the Chargers were able to get the win 30-28. That was an exciting game. Moving over to Minnesota, the Vikings hosted the Bears, and the Vikings were able to get it done, 29-22. Dan Campbell's team went up to New England to take on the Patriots and lost 29-0. My Saints finally righted the ship against the Seattle Seahawks, 39-32. The New York Jets were able to beat the Miami Dolphins, 40-17. This Jets team is real, folks. Then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers held off the Atlanta Falcons, 21-15. Falcons showed a little bit of fight in this one. I think they might be that team this year. Then the Tennessee Titans traveled up to play Alex Houston's Washington football commanders, and the commanders were not able to get it done as Derrick Henry ran all over them for a 21-17 victory for Tennessee. The Houston Texans traveled down to Jacksonville, Florida to take on Trevor Lawrence and crew. They... Final score was 13-6 Texans. The Carolina Panthers. Griggs, I'll let you get this one. Panthers lost. 70% 49ers fans at the bank. And now we'll talk about more what happened after that game. After this. Ouch. 
and the Dallas Cowboys traveled over to SoFi Stadium to take on the LA Rams, and they were able to win 22-10. The Philadelphia Eagles, I believe the last undefeated team in the NFC at mm-hmm. least, traveled down to Arizona to take on Kyler Murray's Call of Duty-loving self and the Arizona Cardinals, and they were able to get it done 20-17 in the Battle of the Birds. In the last game on Sunday, the Cincinnati Bengals traveled to face division rival Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore was able to take a close 19-17 victory. And to close out week five of the NFL season, the Las Vegas Raiders lost again to the Kansas City Chiefs 30-29. Time. Two minutes, 42 seconds. Not bad. No, not Pretty bad. Good. So let's just go through some of these a little bit. Um... Let's start off with the Thursday. That Thursday night game was terrible. Oh, oh my awful. gosh. No touchdown score in the game. Oh, brutal. And when Russell Wilson threw that interception in the, on the um, into the end zone when they were up three with like two minutes to go, that w- you can't be doing that. There's this guy I follow on Twitter where he compares every, in- uh, every NFL game every week to a food. Uh, would you like to guess what he compared this Colts-Broncos game to? Hmm. Gotta be something really random and obscure. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go like burnt toast. I don't know. Beanie weenies. <laughs> but yeah, that game was terrible. Oh, it was awful. So bad. Uh, the London game. Giants. Um, if the Eagles were in that division right now, I think they'd be looking like a favorite. Oh yeah. Oh man, that was that was something for sure. Mm-hmm. And then. Yeah, I mean, Saquon came out and didn't do too, too much, but he made the plays where it mattered. True. And Saquon is, I don't know, he's kind of not what he's been, but I still think he's a really, really good back. Hmm, let's see what else we got. Um, Steelers-Bills. Bills look like that team. They're looking unstoppable. Really. Oh, Steelers look so bad. They need thirty-eight to three. The Steelers need to win at least two or three more games so Carolina can get the first pick. I'm tired of this. <laughs> yeah, they don't need another quarterback. Um, Chargers Browns. Chargers win this one thirty to twenty-eight. Um, Chargers had that goal line pick of Jacoby Brissett. So week twelve can't really come soon enough for the Browns. No. Do you think the Chargers are kind of underwhelming this year? I think so. Just because. That whole Western division is kind of underwhelming, really. From what we talked about, we were like, oh, it's not just going to be the Chiefs this year. It's going to be the entire AFC West, and now it's Chiefs 4-1, and one, Chargers, Broncos 3-2, three, three, uh, Chargers three and two, Broncos 2-3, two and three, Raiders 1-4, and four, which I still feel like the Raiders will finish above the Broncos just because how bad the Broncos are. Oh, yeah, the Broncos are so bad, but the Raiders aren't great either. And then you've got your star wide receiver who's going to push a defenseless, innocent cameraman. What a shame. But here's the thing about uh, the Raiders. They're 1-4, and four, and their point difference is minus 5. That's how brutal these losses have been for them. They're, they've lost games. Uh, they lost 24-19 week one to the Chargers, 29-23 to the Cardinals, 24-22 to the Titans. They beat the Broncos by 9, and they lost by 1 to the Chiefs. So if they lose by 1 to the Chiefs at Arrowhead, they can win most of these games left on their schedule. Yeah, probably so. Um, Bears-Vikings, bears Decided to just give that one away near the end. Are they afraid to let Justin Fields throw the football? That's what I'm starting to feel like. Yeah, I mean, I would be too. Just his like 
over under for passes were like if he throws more than fifteen passes. It's just it's brutal out there for him. And my ESPN's officially done for today. And same with mine. Um, All right, CBS Sports incoming. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Justin Fields not great. I mean, they play again tonight. We'll talk about that a little bit in the next segment. But yeah, Justin Fields threw for two hundred and eight yards. That's really good for him. Yeah, that's like career high. Uh, yeah, 15 completions. Wow, that's incredible for this week. The previous weeks he had 11, 8, 7, and 8. He's struggling. Really is. I don't, he's starting to not be that guy, apparently. No, he's not a dude. Mm-hmm. Um, let's keep it going still on CBS. Uh, Lions-Pats. Lions, Ouch. Pats shut down the league's top-scoring offense. They shut him out 29 to nothing in Foxborough. Bailey Zappi. Now... If you're a Patriots fan, Mac Jones has looked – I mean, Mac Jones has never really shown true, like, I'm the starting quarterback's, like, plays yet. Mm-hmm. So do you want to give – do you give Zappi more chances? Because the thing is what's going to happen now is if they keep winning with Zappi, when Mac Jones gets healthy again, they put him in Mac Jones, They and then, they like, Mac Jones struggles for a half, do they put it back in Zappi? Bailey Zappi the best next Tom Brady, question mark? Potentially. Um – Keep moving on. Texans, Jaguars in the game. No one really watched. Um, Texans beat the Jaguars. Maybe, maybe people were getting a little too a bit too high on the Jaguars. Maybe just a little bit. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, people made that mistake in 2017, and they're making it again now. They're just not that. Yeah. Um, trying to think. Dodging around games we already talked about. Seeing if I missed any of the other ones. Um, Falcons, Bucks. Um, Falcons score 15 points in the fourth quarter to make it interesting, but uh, the Buccaneers still take care of business in that one. Yeah, the Falcons are just, they're good enough to make games competitive, but they're not quite good enough to finish them. Kind of like uh, the Raiders, really. The yeah. Raiders and them are really similar in that. Yeah. Uh, Dolphins, Jets. Jol- Jets beat the brakes off the Dolphins 40-17 to without two. I mean, granted, the Dolphins were playing with their third-string quarterback, but still, I mean, you should be able to just dump off to Tyree Kill and he gets 25 yards. Yeah, I like this Jets team a lot. Mm-hmm. They're fun to watch. I'm a huge Zach Wilson fan, mm. so I'm excited to see what they can do. I'm a big Brees Hall guy. I think he was really good running back, and then yeah. I think I didn't know when he got drafted, but I think I said he was just like a little bit too early or a little bit too late for him because he was really good last year at Iowa State. Yeah. Um, we were talking about the Steelers Bills. Um, Saints Seahawks. Let's you talk about that one. All right. So, I didn't get to watch much of this one. It's the first Saints game in a while that I didn't even watch a play of. But they were, because I was on the call for the soccer game on Sunday. Um, But they finally were able to right the ship against the Seattle Seahawks. Andy Dalton threw for 187 yards. Taysom Hill ran for 112 yards off of nine carries. Also good for three touchdowns. And Alvin Kamara led the team in receiving with 91 yards off of six catches. On the other side for the Seahawks, Geno Smith looked like a dude, passing for 268 yards and three touchdowns. Kenneth Walker III had 88 yards off of eight rushing attempts and one touchdown. And Tyler Lockett caught for 104 yards and two touchdowns off of only five catches. Kenneth Walker is that guy I like and went to Wake, transferred to Michigan State. And Wake could have done so much. If we had Kenneth Walker last year in a team that made the AC championship, oh. One could imagine. But, yeah. yeah, Andy Dalton. Nice guy, Andy. Um, Yeah, so you 
So Taysom Hill wasn't the starting quarterback this game? Or how did this because I see Taysom, Andy Dalton's the leading passer, but then Taysom Hill somehow is the leading rusher. I I don't know. Are they running a two quarterback? I don't it's, more or less. That's it's weird. But yeah. Kamara's the leading receiver and Taysom Hill's the leading rusher. There's check off one for the NFL bingo card for what you didn't expect that day. Yeah, for sure. Uh Titans Commanders. Mm, who wants ew. Um Derrick Henry's still really good. Uh, Carson Wentz, 359 yards, two touchdowns, but then they still lost because he threw a goal line interception. Yeah, and as uh, Riverboat Ron Rivera said, what separates us from other NFC East teams? Quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Cooper Rush is hard to duplicate. Dude, for real. Um, we can run through this a little bit more. Um, let's let's just we'll go to Panthers last, so I can just wrap it up the segment. Uh, Cowboys Rams. Cowboys look legit, actually. So this Sunday night, yeah, versus, they do. Sunday night versus the Eagles is gonna be a great game. I can't um, we already talked about oh, eh, Eagles are really, really good. Uh, Cardinals are now 0-3 at home this year, so not great. So it doesn't look like we're going to get three straight home team Super Bowls. Kyler Murray's playing too much Call of Duty again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bengals, Ravens, um, Joe Burrow's offensive line is still terrible. But made it close, and then Justin Tucker is insane. And the Monday night game we already talked about. But, yeah, 49ers 37, Panthers 15. I was at that game. It was unbelievably bad. Probably one of the worst games I've ever been to in person, along with when the Panthers played the Bucks last year and the Bucks decided to play Tom Brady until, like, five minutes left in the fourth quarter and they were up 30. It was just so tiring. And then finally, Matt Rule is gone, people. My suffering is now over. It is great. It Who's was the there, interim? Uh, Steve Wilkes. He was the coach of the Cardinals for one year, actually, and then they decided he went 3-13, and 13, and then they decided to just bring in Cliff Kingsbury. So he didn't get a fair shot. So I'm glad he's getting something in Carolina. Yeah. I just As long as we don't trade like Brian Burns, I'm fine. Anyone else I think can, I'm okay with leaving, but Brian Burns is an insane piece. And I like and him and DJ Moore, I think, like, I want to keep. Anyone else I think is on the table. But I'm glad Matt Rule is gone. Great that we starting a new chapter in Carolina Panthers football, so. I'm glad with that. But 49ers, I still don't know what to think about them because Jimmy G was able to do well against the Panthers, but I don't know what that means against everyone else. Yeah. But that will do it for our NFL recap of Week 5. When we come back, we're talking NFL Week 6. We're going to talk about each of the games coming up this week. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. Again, you are here with Daniel Locke and Griggs Blankenberg. We're talking still NFL. We've talked about really everything today. If you want to go back and check out what we talked about in the past segments, you guys can check out the podcast version later on today. But now it's time to talk about the upcoming week in the NFL. NFL is still king, folks. Everyone, that's what we say around these studios, or at least this show, because me and him, me and Daniel both like the NFL really more than college. Yeah. That, that's, that's hard to... People look at us weird when we say that in the South, but... Especially now. Yeah. Like, I just don't enjoy college football these days. Yeah, not too much. Um, But let's get it started tonight, 7.15 p.m. on Amazon Prime. The w- random game of the week that we pray that won't be as bad as last week. Uh, The Commanders versus the Bears. One and four Commanders versus the two and three Bears. Soldier Field. Right now the line is even. So they don't know what to expect. I hope they tie. That'd be so funny. But then it's zero zero tie. It's, it's gonna be a bad game, but not in the same way it was bad like last week. It's gonna be just like bad because of how like crazy it is. Where you got Justin Fields throwing the ball ten times and then Carson Wentz throwing for like four hundred yards and still finding a way to lose. 
or tie. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Ravens-Giants this weekend in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, Ravens are a five-and-a-half point favorite on from on the road. I think they can. I think the Ravens can do it. Oh yeah, this Jets team's not. You mean Giants? Yeah, this New York Football Giants team's just not that good. Yeah, I don't know what. I mean, I don't know what to expect from them. I mean, the teams they've beaten so far. I mean, the best team they've beaten is what the Packers. Yeah, yeah. So not great. Um, moving on to this one, Bengals Saints. Right now, the Bengals are a game and a half point favorite. Not. It's just an interesting thing because the Saints' de- uh, defense has been really their strength all year, but. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you really have to say about this one? I thought about going because I'm already heading over to Mississippi, so I'd already kind of be on the way. Like if if Auburn's playing Mississippi State um, this week, I'd definitely be going this game since it's directly on the way. But for the actual game itself, uh, I think the Saints only being a one and a half point dog is very generous. I guess people still respect that um, Superdome home field advantage, even though it is kind of lost its luster because of recent home playoff losses. But if we're going to win, we need a big day from someone at quarterback. I don't know who it's going to be. I think James is out again, so it'll either be Dalton or Taysom. But we need about 250 passing yards and about 100 rushing yards to win. Yeah. um, I could see this game really going either way. Yeah, I hope we win because the Bengals aren't that good. But I, th- I don't think Zach Taylor's that good of a coach. I, I don't just... think so either. I think he just kind of got lucky last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just can't. I just don't know what's going to happen. It could be crazy. It could be a high-scoring game. It could be a fourteen to ten game. I, it could go either way. Who knows? Um, Jaguars Colts. Uh, I think maybe a hundred people may watch this game, outside of. Jacksonville or Indianapolis? Yeah, I I'm don't know why this is on. Okay, it, yeah, it's on regional CBS. So it's like what uh, Al Michaels said last week about the uh, the um, Thursday night football game. This is the game you see on like the fifth regional spot for CBS. If I turn my TV on, and it's on this game, and not the Saints, I think I might have to fly to the NFL corporate office. And give them a piece of my mind. I mean, Dave Pornoy and them did that, and they got arrested. So be careful up there. Roger doesn't take too well to protesters. Oh, uh, well, he's going to take well to this one. Uh, Vikings-Dolphins. Uh, 4-1 and one Vikings going, to the, uh, my, going into Miami against the 3-2 and two Dolphins. Vikings are a, minus th- uh, are a three-point favorite. I imagine that line will swing more towards the Dolphins if the, um, Tua can play. Still up in the air. It's not looking likely. But I think just Justin Jefferson's can – overcome the shortcomings that he gets from Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins. I think so, too. And what are the odds that we get a gritty off between Jay Jettis and Mike Gusecki? That would be incredible. I mean, much watch TV. Oh, yeah. Much rather watch that than Jaguars Colts. Yeah, me too. Um, Pats Browns. Uh, Browns are a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home in Cleveland versus the Patriots, 12 o'clock on Sunday. I think it's still zappy, so I think I'm leaning more towards the Pats. Yeah, I think the Pats win. But I need Nick Chubb to keep doing well for my fantasy team. Uh, Jets-Packers. This is an interesting game, I think. I think so, too. Uh, Packers are a 7.5-point favorite right now in Green Bay. I think the, Jet- I think the Jets are going to cover. I don't know if I want to say they're going to win. I think it'll be close, though. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, 49ers-Falcons. Uh, after what I saw from the Falcons last week, and or the 49ers last week and the Falcons being the most 
similar-esque team to the Panthers. Um, maybe besides, like, the Steelers. I think the 49ers will win this one pretty easy. Yeah, um, I hope they do, just because I don't like to see the Falcons win. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Buccaneers-Steelers. Um, Ouch. Yeah, uh, Bucks. Next. I don't even want to say, yep. yeah, Bucks. Next, uh, Cardinals-Seahawks. I mean, everyone thought Seattle would be, like, one of the worst teams this year. They're not that yet through five weeks. I just don't know if they're going to win this one. I mean, Rashad Penny's out for the year now. Do I you mean, think Kyler Murray's going to bring his PS5? I mean, here's the thing, though. If you want to talk about it in that regard from the Call of Duty stats, they're 0-3 at home this year, which 0-3 means he'd have his regular gaming setup. So he can't take his gaming setup like that on the road, so he has less time to think to play it. So that's oh, maybe man. why I'm leaning towards the Cardinals in this one, being yeah. a very rational pick. I'm going to go with the, that. Off saying. the fact he can't bring his whole setup. Yep. I'm going with that on the same uh, logic. Breaking news real quick. Dun, 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 dun. Sports news. We'll talk about it in the next segment, but Guardians-Yankees has been postponed tonight. Game two will be played tomorrow at 1.07 p.m. Eastern, so 12.07 Eastern in uh, 12.07 Central Time. So You know what I have to say about that? Oh, no. Here we go. We do not care. I hate the Yankees. But you want to see the Guardians, though. I think they can do it. Yeah, we'll see. If they get to Class A, I think they can win. All right, but moving on now. Um, for some unknown reason, someone in the NFL's office has decided, you know what? Let's keep um, let's give the Panthers three straight. Let's give the Panthers three straight uh, four or five games Eastern time. Whoever thought that idea is just what? Are, what are they thinking? I don't know. It, it was a bad idea, though. Um, yes, very, very bad. But you know, it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the rant, my, minus ten right now with Carolina most likely playing PJ Walker, the backup quarterback. You know who our uh, you know who our second st- or backup quarterback is now for this week. PJ uh, Walker's the starter. Who the backup is? We are mm, fourth string quarterback. Will Greer? No, Will Greer is long gone now. Uh, okay. Uh, just give me another shot. We absurd. Give me a hint. Former Pac-12 player. Josh Rosen? No. Oh, who Close. is it? Jacob Eason. I don't even know who that is. A uh, former Washington quarterback. Oh. But yeah, <laughs> I got the Rams. That's gonna be yeah. That's. Yeah. One of our two pick'em games now for this upcoming week. We have the Bills Chiefs. This is one of the best regular season games. This is we have two of our best regular season games of the weeks of the year so far coming up this week. Uh Bills are a two and a half point favorite, and this is the first time since Patrick Mahomes has been a starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs that he has been an underdog betting line at Arrowhead. Yeah, I saw that. And I think this is the time that the Bills kind of get it done. This is their time for sure. Yeah, I think this. This could potent- This is definitely lining up to be a um, AFC Championship type of matchup, for sure. I'm excited for this Cowboys Eagles game. Moving on, me too as well. 7:20 NBC on um, with uh, Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. Uh, Eagles six point favorite at home, but then again, we have to think about this, Daniel. Cooper Rush is still undefeated as a starter in the NFL. Cooper Rush is good, folks. What happens when an un- uh, unmovable force meets an unmovable? Um, um, what is it? The saying? Unbreakable wall and unstoppable object. What happens when an unstoppable force meets an in- unmovable object, or something like that? The force bounces off. So it goes the other way. I don't know. Tie potentially. Maybe because Cooper Rush is still undefeated, facing the only undefeated team left in the NFL. Because, uh. Being realistic here, I'm leaning towards the Eagles, though. Yeah. Especially being at home versus the Cowboys in a game where the Cowboys and Eagles are actually good this year. So, 
I'm going with the birds on that one, even though we both don't like Philly that much. No. Finally. No speak, way. Speaking of speaking of why they're giving the Panthers so many midday slots. No why, way the Broncos are on Monday night football. I don't get this. It's the randomest thing. It's like them keep I get the, them putting the Bears on like primetime games most often because yes, they're still a big market, but like the Broncos, I mean I, I, I don't get it. I mean, maybe I mean, granted they schedule this all out in front where they thought, oh, Russell Wilson getting Jerry Judy and all these receivers and weapons, it's just gonna be a great team all year so we can just go ahead and schedule these out but maybe the nfl has just passed my fandom by maybe it's time for me to find something else i mean auburn's not looking football here is not looking no yeah i'm I'm thinking i might just not even watch football remember it can always be worse you can always be a panthers fan just remember that i mean yeah but uh i got charged in this one i do too but yeah um, that is going to do it for our NFL talk. When we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit of baseball, MLB talk. We first time in a few minutes, in the last like two weeks, I think, yeah. just we talked MLB. But when we come back, we'll have all the playoff talk you need. This is the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me today and always, Greg Splankenberg. It's been a loaded show today. I don't even know what all we've talked about. But now it is time for Major League Baseball. So, with that being said, we're really going to. Oh, we're not using this sound yet, technically. I can't find it. It's gone. Oh, well. Well, we're just going to have to go with the backup plan. Whoa! Oh, no. no brim. Oh, man. All right, but yes, and we'll be. He's still searching for the sound, but. MLB playoffs are in full swing. Um, how far back? Do you just want to go back to the first game? Sure. Let's do it. So October 11th was the first playoff games. Um, Phillies Braves. Phillies take that one 7-6. Um, they were up a decent amount, but then Matt Olson hit a home run. That kind of cut it close there near the end, but. Yeah, he's he's good. Phillies took the win over Max Free, which not too many teams have been able to do this year. No, and I'm glad the Braves were able to even it up last night. They're who I'm going for now. Um, because my Red Sox suck, and I've always, Braves always been my NL team, so I hope that the uh, Braves can get it done tonight as well, or tomorrow. I think today's travel day. Yeah. Speaking of teams that um, we are going for this postseason, I'm going for the Mariners, and that was a gut punch that they got on Tuesday, losing to the Astros on a walk-off home run from Jordan Alvarez in the bottom of the ninth with two outs and one strike. So... As there's a drive in a oh, no. field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. We should use that. We should use that for the Phillies game when they won. All right, talk about the Phillies game again. Um, Nick Castellanos had a great there's catch. A drive in a deep left there we go. All right, there we go. We got that. All right, run. we got that marked off. Uh, I just hope the Mariners can do something. Yeah, um, hopefully. The Who Cares series for this podcast that no one cares about. Uh, Guardians Yankees. Um, Yankees win four one. Garrett Cole. Finally has a good pitching performance for the first time in a long time. Does he earn his pinstripes? I asked the Yankee. Uh, I, Anthony Rizzo has his pinstripes. But now the question is, does Garrett Cole getting close to earning his pinstripes? I don't think so. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He just kept one game. But, yeah, I, Cleveland's got to show something tonight. Or now tomorrow as we broke on the last segment. Yeah. But... And then Padres-Dodgers. Dodgers won last um, on Tuesday with... Julio Urias going five innings, four hits, three earned runs, six strikeouts. They beat the Padres. 
yeah, I really hope that they can come back and or finish it off. I would love to see the Dodgers and Yankees get knocked out in the divisional. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night we said Daniel already brought up a little bit. Braves won against the Phillies 3-0. Now series now tied going to uh, Citizens Bank Ballpark in Philadelphia. Uh, Kyle Wright was. I watched the most. I watched um, like the first six innings of this game before I had turned to the Blackhawks. But Kyle Wright, incredible night. Six innings pitched, two hits, six strikeouts, one walk, no runs. So Braves pitchers are still the starting pitching has not been their issue this year, really. No, so not at all. Helped them out a lot. But then Zach Wheeler's playing pretty good too until that um, sixth inning. Just just couldn't get it done. They just. Yeah. Found the uh, holes. Uh, the gl- uh, ball went under Reese Hopkins' glove at first. Mm-hmm. That's what really started the whole thing. And then last night, the Padres tied up on the Dodgers. Playoff Clayton Kershaw is back, folks. He's not in the. That is definitely a Mickey Mouse ring for oh, MLB. For sure. More than NBA, almost maybe. Eh, not really, because MLB, no. MLB at least had fans. Yeah. But playing a neutral site World Series, nah. I'm not counting that. No, and. I don't know, I hate the Dodgers so much. But so, U Darvish, five innings pitched, seven hits, three earned runs, seven strikeouts, two walks. He's raw. It's going to be an interesting series. Now that's definitely t- um it's always good when you can win one on the road. So Oh, for sure. I think this is going to be interesting. They have to It's going to I hope they got to take It's a th- you got to win three games first in this round. So Padres need it be very helpful for them to win that first game, game 3, and then go back to um uh, Musgrove. I agree, yeah. And then today, uh, Guardians-Yankees already got postponed. We only have one game today, and it is Mariners versus the Astros. Astros are the favorite right now, minus 155. Uh, and then the over is over-under is seven runs in this game. Uh, pitching matchup most likely is Luis Castillo for the Mariners. And for the Astros, it is Fraber Valdez. Luis Castillo almost sounds like Nick Cassianos. I mean, they both did play for the Reds. <laughs> I mean, Castillo has been was the great was probably in my um, my expert opinion the best uh, midseason move for the trade deadline for yeah. any team because just to get be able to get the Mariners over the home for a team that hadn't made the playoffs since two thousand and one. That's still that's a really good job for them. And then I'm still rooting for the Mariners. I, they have to get this one though. They can't go down two zero and. It, best of three series yeah i would agree i think they're gonna get it done um yeah especially with castillo on the mound too they got to get this one because verlander was terrible and you still lost that game that that's got to sting for a little while yeah um october 14th uh will be tomorrow night our who you got sir for october 15th which I think the Yankees and Guardians are still going to play tomorrow not, tomorrow at Yankee State uh, Stadium and then play Saturday at in Cleveland. So we'll just keep it as for now. We we'll figure it out. We'll just call that Game Three for the Yankees Guardians on the on the pick, uh, who you got pick them. But tonight tonight it is uh, Braves Phillies or t- uh, Friday night or Friday afternoon really three thirty seven p.m. Braves Phillies at Citizens Bank Ballpark. Pitchers for this one will be Charlie Morton for the Braves and Aaron Nola for the Phillies. Morton and Nola, two older pitchers who are both still throwing heat. I think that if the I think whoever wins this has a really good chance of winning the series. So it's a huge game three. Oh, absolutely. Uh I'm leaning 
more towards Noah right now for my pick right now, but I don't know. Just the Braves' offense can get uh, stagnant at times. They just can't have that really happen now. You got to find the right times. Mm-hmm. I agree. And Friday night, Dodgers Padres at Petco Park in San Diego. The pitching matchup is uh, Tony Gonsolin, Gonsolin, Gonsolin for the Dodgers, and Blake Snell for the Padres. Oh, I hope Padres can pull this off so bad. I mean, I like, I mean, I like Snell. I think they can do it. This sounds like one they can do it. And the Dodgers have gotten stagnant as of recently. Mm-hmm. They've not been able to get the same momentum they've had in the past, the whole season really, because. That was the biggest, I think, division margin. Did they have a bigger division margin between Dodgers and Padres or Astros and Mariners? I think the Dodgers-Padres was bigger. I think so, too. I could be wrong. I check on ESPN, but, you know. Let me check really quick on um, CBS. Um, Yeah, Houston had a 16-game lead over Seattle, and the Dodgers had a 22-game lead over San Diego, so you're right. And finally, for our Who You Got matchups, we're doing all these pitching matchups. Uh, Saturday at 1.07 p.m. back in Philly, Spencer Strider is taking on Noah Syndergaard for the Phillies. Wow. In a game four. Noah Syndergaard. That's a name that you know, you just kind of forget about. Traded from with the Angels midseason. Um, Spencer Strider just got that new contract. He's good. That kid's the real deal. I think I said they're going to win game three. Or the Phillies are going to win g- game three. I think the Braves can win. Ga- I think the Braves are going to win Game Four. What's out there? With this- got you uh, looking over there. <laughs> Nothing much. Okay. Um, I was just making sure it wasn't yeah, an emergency. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with the Braves are going to tie it up in Game Four, and they're going to go back to Atlanta for Game Five. Yeah, I think so too. Oh, but that's who you got picks. Well, doesn't matter. We'll uh, just talk them later. Yeah. Um, Astros Mariners. Uh, 3:07 p.m. on Saturday, TBS. Lance McCullers taking on. Uh, George Kirby of the Seattle Mariners. George Kirby, what a guy! This will be this would be I think game three as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go towards Lance McCullers. Yeah, Astros I think that's good. Go pick. up to a just really, yeah. We'll just talk about all these picks again in a minute as well. Uh, game three in New York. This will be there. Who you got pick as well? Uh, Yankees Guardians back at Progressive Field in Cleveland. Luis Severino and. Trevor McKenzie, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Trist- uh, Tristan McKinney, sorry. Oh, yeah. McKenzie is the pitching matchup. No matter what the lead is, I'm leaning towards the Guardians here. Mm-hmm. I like McKenzie a lot. He's yeah. been a standout for them this season. And Severino can't throw nearly as hard as he could a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm leaning towards the Guardians with that one. Um, final one. We talked about this one a little bit earlier. Dodgers Padres. Uh, pitching matchups projected for this one are. Uh, Tyler Anderson and Joe Musgrove. It, that's why I think if the Padres can get Game Three, it that's why they need to get Game Three really. Yeah. And Musgrove and an Olymp- like what he did in the Mets the other night. I if he could do that against an offensive team like the Dodgers, who are similar to the Mets with an augment- offense that was kind of stalled off near the end of the season, be we might be seeing the Padres in the um, divisional series. Wait, yeah. That's still wild to think. Or that would that be the championship series next? Uh, next series is the NLCS. Yes. Now. Okay. I'm still confused by the new playoff format a little bit. I got gotcha. you. But yeah, I mean, I got Musgrove in this one. Just what what he did to the Mets. I think he can replicate that with the Dodgers, especially being a home game for them. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. And then Sunday would be. Those are 
for the most part, game fives. Um, yeah, I think all these um, game four would be the Astros Mariners, which still potentially could not happen. Um, yeah, so most of these games potentially could not happen, but we'll just talk about them like they could happen real quick. Um, Astros Mariners two hundred seven TBS Verlander versus um, who is this? Uh, Logan Gilbert. Yeah. Verlander got shelled his last time out. He still and they still won. Yeah, <laughs> he's good. Yeah, I'm leaning more towards Mariners in that one for the game that too. may not happen. Uh, Phillies Braves would be Game Five on 3:37 p.m. next. Uh, uh, yeah, Sunday. Sorry, Rangers Suarez versus Max Freed. I mean, if you're Max Freed, you got to bounce back after that first one. Oh yeah, and I think you will. So I kind of hope he gets the chance to. I kind of hope I, it works out for me to go to this game with my dad. Maybe we'll see. Probably not. You're but. gonna be ti- man. You're gonna be tired after going from le- waking up that early for Oxford and then going to Atlanta the next day. I'll pitch the idea to him. See if he's feeling it. He's probably he's probably listening right now. He's probably gonna text I mean, me. He, to- in a he told us the we got the uh, saying wrong. So probably yeah, he's probably gonna be like, yeah, I can't do it. Oh, oh no! I thought that was gonna be it for a second. Oh, I got the same notification you got. <laughs> um, Yankees Guardians in a game that might also not happen. Garrett Cole versus. Um, hold on. Uh, Cal Quantrill. Quantrill? I don't know. Um, I mean, Gary Cole, you got to earn your money. got to got to show it out here. Um, if I got the Yankees in that one, if it goes to the four. Oh, yeah. I, I do, too. Uh, finally, if this uh, Dodgers-Padres goes to game five, Sunday at 8 p.m. on, what is this, on FS1, um, the matchup would be is this Mike Clevenger? Mm-hmm. Mike Clevenger versus Julio Urias. Yeah, and if it's, I think if it goes to Game Five, it's going to favor the Dodgers. I think so too. I just can't see them messing that one up. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. But yeah, that's going to do it for our MLB playoff talk. When we get come back, unfortunately, it is our final segment of the show. But not to fear. It is who you got. Me and Daniel are going to give our picks for the weekend's matchups in college football, NFL, and the MLB playoffs. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me, as always, Griggs Blankenberg. It's been a loaded show today. If you watched it, we've covered it today. And we're going to finish out with our weekly pickums. Who you got? Yes, it is time for Who You Got. Just a reminder, if you missed any of today's show, you can listen back. Our podcast version of the show will be up later on today. But now it is time for everyone's favorite segment, Who You Got. Now, last week we didn't have a show due to fall break, so catch you up a little bit on this one. After last, the last time we had a show's record, Daniel is still in the lead. Daniel holds a record of 40-30 and 30 after going 8-2 and two last week. His only two losses, I believe, were, I think it was uh, Kentucky losing to Ole Miss, and then we had one more. I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was an NFL game. I'm pretty sure you said, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But then I went 7-3 and three last week. I'm now 34-36. and 36. So Daniel holds a six-game lead over me. But now it is time for our picture this week. Let's start it off strong with college football this Saturday at 11 a.m. on Fox. Penn, the number 10 Penn State Nittany Lions will be going to the number 5 Michigan Wolverines in Ann Arbor. Daniel. Who you got? I would love to pick Penn State just because I, I like Penn State, but I just don't think they're very battle-tested, and that's coming from someone who Penn State came in here and played us on the road, and I don't think they're battle-tested. So I'm going to go with Michigan. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with the Wolverines as well. I just for a Penn State team that beat Northwestern by 10 and almost lost to Purdue on the road. Granted, you played us, but that's not saying much anymore for anything. No. So, I'm going to go with the Wolverines on that one. Uh, the biggest college football matchup of the week, let's get to it. Number th- uh, three, Alabama, is going on the road to take on the number six-ranked Tennessee Volunteers. That's 2.30 p.m. on CBS. Daniel, who you got? I would love to pick Tennessee here, and if it was confirmed it was going to be Jalen Milrow starting, I probably would, but I just think Alabama gets it done. Like They're just teams you just have their number, and the last time that Tennessee was able to beat Alabama, we were like three years old. So I just don't see it happening. The last time Tennessee beat Alabama was the year Wake Forest was the ACC champion in football. That's wild. And another thing I saw was the last time Tennessee beat Alabama, they couldn't even tweet about it. They couldn't iMessage about it. Oh, they couldn't text on the iPhone. The last it. time, the last time Tennessee beat Alabama, they beat Alabama and dropped in the rankings. So wow, how the mighty have fallen. But you're right. It's a team. Usually with these teams, they have their number. It's going on for a while. It's been since 2006. Granted, Tennessee's hype this year. Just if it right now, it's looking more like Bryce Young. So we're gonna pick like it's Bryce Young. Yeah. And their defense and secondary has been a little suspect this year. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with the Crimson Tide in this one. Moving on now down to Fort Worth, the Oklahoma State Sooner. Uh, oh my goodness, I apologize, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. The Oklahoma State Cowboys are taking on the TCU Horn Frogs. Daniel, who you got? I believe in Mike Gundy, so I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. And the good words of Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. I'm going to go with TCU. They've been a surprising team this year. I mean, they beat a pretty good Kansas Jayhawks team on the road. And if they can do that, and I think they can beat a lot of teams in the in the Big 12 this year, especially. But Oklahoma State's – I'll give you this, though. Oklahoma State always seems like the team that's always in the same spot every single year. Like, Oklahoma was always the number one team along really with Baylor for, like, the past, like, five years. Mm -hmm. But now Oklahoma State's kind of taking that spot from Oklahoma. Baylor's still the words out on them. But right now, this matchup right here could potentially be a Big 12 championship rematch. Yeah, I agree. Since they go off of a percentage in the conference. So, I think that could could happen. That'd be a good matchup again. It would be. Let's move it on now to the National Football League uh, Sunday afternoon. It is the Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. Bills the Bills are the two-and-a-half-point favorite as of now. Mr. Locke, whom do you got? I'm going to have to go with the Bills. Um, they haven't won an Arrowhead ever, I think. Well, that'd be a, that'd and this, not like Evers in history, but since the two teams have developed their current core. So I'm going to go with the um, Bills. I think they finally get it done. I'm going to go with the Bills as well. After that heartbreak of a playoff loss last year where – that was one of the let's be honest, that was one of the greatest NFL postseasons we have ever seen last season. Like, I would have to agree. Every game really was close. Yeah. I can't really think of one that was just like one way or the other. I mean, even the Nickelodeon game was down to the wire. Oh, that was a good one. But I'm gonna go with the Bills in this one as well. I think Josh Allen will will get his revenge for last year. And right now he's still this is both of our preseason Super Bowl picks. We and both of our MVP predictions, I believe. So I think he's going to still prove that this week against the Chiefs. But even probably going to be a really high-scoring game, I think. Because yeah. that Chiefs defense still can get a little suspect. Buffalo's defense is a little bit better, which is why I'm leaning towards the Bills. I agree. Uh, Sunday night, one of the best one of the best matchups for these two teams that they've had in recent years. It is the Cowboys at the Eagles. Primetime Sunday night football, NBC. 
the 4-1 Cowboys are taking on the 5-0 Eagles. The unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Is that what it was? Yeah. Let's do it. I got it right. Shout out Mr. Locke on that one. But, yes, it is the Cowboys versus the Eagles. Cooper Rush versus the undefeated NFL team. But, Daniel, we have to pick someone. So, as I always say, who you got? Um, I've got to go. I believe in Cooper Rush. I think hmm. they're going to win. Hmm. Believe in Cooper Rush. I'm going to go with the Birds. I don't like it, but I have to. Just They've not really – in the times they struggled this year, they've been able to come back and pull it out in the end. They've been able to find a way to win, and I think they can just continue to do that. I think – Jalen Hurts is in a contract year, and right now he's earning that. And then getting A.J. Brown in the draft in the draft trade day trade has worked out pretty well for them so far. And Hassan yeah. Reddick, who the Panthers couldn't pay this year, has looked incredible. He was defensive player of the week, I think, last week before the week before the Cardinals. So I'm going to ride with the birds on this one. They're looking starting to look like the NFC favorite. Yeah, I think so too. What's so funny over there? <laughs> I'll, I'll explain after the show. Oh, oh boy. Um Braves at Phillies. This will be. These are all Saturday night games, except maybe the Yankees, Guardians, depending on how scheduling works. So let's push that one off to the side for now. So let's go Braves at Phillies Saturday night. So this would be, I think, game three. Four. I think four for them. Yes, Daniel, who you got? I believe in the Braves, man. I always have and I always will. Like that. That is the team this year. They are so talented, and they were a team last year. They're a team this year. I think Spencer Strider's on the mound in this one. That guy throws hard. Now, my question in this one is, this will, for you, will this be a game where the Braves are facing elimination, or is this a game where they could clinch? Oh, clinch. Okay. I think they win uh, tomorrow as well. I don't know. I had the Phillies winning game three, because I think they'll be able to rally around that home environment. I had the Phillies winning in this one as well. I just They've been so hot with the bats recently, except for Max Freed last night, but doesn't look like Max Fried's going to be able to pitch in a starting position again this year, or for in this series at least. So yeah. I'm going to go with the Phillies. I'm a, ugh, I hate how much I'm picking Philly teams right now. It's kind of <laughs> hurts. Disgusting. Um, Astros at Mariners. This would be game four as well, I believe. Or game three, I think, for this uh, one. Correct, yeah. So Strohs versus the Mariners. This would be Saturday. I think this would be um, – hold on. What would this pitching matchup be? It would be Lance McCullers versus George Kirby. Daniel, who you got? I would love to pick the Mariners. I just can't bring myself to, so I'm going to pick the Strohs. I'm picking the Mariners. I just have to. Keep it a little bit different here on the show. <laughs> uh, for Game 3, this is definitely going to be a Game 3 selection for us. Um, Guardians, uh, Yankees at the Guardians. Right now, the pitching matchup for this one is Luis Severino and Tr- uh, Tristan McKenzie. So, Daniel, who you got? I've unfortunately got to take the Yankees. Uh, Severino's good. He can throw hard. I forgot. Um, yeah. So I think they're going to win. I forgot that uh, uh, McKenzie was pitching in this one, which we talked about him a lot in the last segment. So I'm switching my pick, actually. I'm going to go with the Guardians in this one. Oh, wow. I think they can do it. I think, especially if they win uh, tomorrow, I think they can win it on short rest going back home. Uh, final MLB game, we got Dodgers at Padres. Uh, this would right now be a matchup between uh, uh, Tim Anderson, I think. Or no, Tyler Anderson and Joe Musgrove. Daniel, you got I would love to pick the Padres once again, but I, I just can't. I've got to pick the Dodgers. I forgot this is also McCullers. Uh, no, Joe Musgrove, so I'm going to switch my pick again on the sheet. I'm going to go with the Padres. I mean, if he did what he did to the uh, to the Mets against the Dodgers, Padres can beat anyone. Yeah. And finally, our last game we are picking for today. In the last part of the show, the Auburn Tigers are traveling to the number nine Ole Miss Rebels. That will be at 11 a.m. on ESPN, I believe, at 
in Oxford, Missouri, uh, Mississippi. Sorry, Daniel will be there. I will be at the baseball stadium. Daniel, who you got? I'm not picking Auburn until basketball season. Wow. So yeah. we'll miss. I'm probably going to be going maybe towards that line. Unless something changes between now and then. But we don't. We have a bye next week. So thank God. Time for a little bit of rest. But yes, that'll do it for the Eagles Nest today. We both picked Ole Miss. Second time we've we hadn't done it ever before. We both picked against Auburn. Yeah. In the same show. Now we've done back to back. Kind of like two teams winning the Super Bowl in their home stadium back to back. Right. It's wild. But yes, that is going to do it for the Eagles Nest today. Missed any of today's show? Don't be worried. We'll have the podcast version out later today. For Daniel Locke, I'm Greg Blankenberg. This has been the Eagles Nest. Thank you for tuning in and a War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagles Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at the Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagles Nest. See you next week.